Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. And welcome to episode 188 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. And any of you listening that, like me, are a parent whose children have gone back to school today, I'd just like to join you in a yes and relax. And to and to any new listeners that may have recently joined, you may be aware that unlike other podcasts, this one has no adverts. We chose to do that from episode one so that we wasn't governed or disturbed by advertisers. And although this content is free to everybody, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support it in any small way, go over to our Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box and there you can follow the link to our Patreon page. Or if you're a Patreon user anyway, it's www.patreon forward slash Ministry of Arts where from as little as £3 a month you can help keep this content flowing as freely as it does. But anyway, today I'm going to take you to meet the Miss Fortune Teller. I mentioned in this episode where I first saw the Miss Fortune Teller, and that was at the first art car boot fair at King's Cross. One part was out in the open at Granary Square, and the other was 10 metres away underneath the canopy. 
and that is the area where the misfortune teller made his art car boot fair debut slap bang next to Gavin Turk. He was set up as an everyday fortune teller but with a black crystal ball and after crossing his palm with silver the punters had their misfortune read and walk away with very tongue-in-cheek words of wisdom from the darker side of life. I loved its irony, wit and simplicity in equal measures. Well, that is only one part of what makes up the misfortune teller. To find out more, come and join me in his studio. See, I am, I'm massively seduced by uh, any kind of technique. I actually, when I was at school, I was... Uh, quite good at art but it was I remember like I was I got this grade back once and essentially the teacher said <clears throat> really good at technique no soul like literally no so that, you know, I think it was I think the category was expressiveness and he's like he's just got nothing to say um, he's just empty um, but he's really good with a pencil and so I would just do these high detail very high detail drawings I wish I could I, I'll show you one that I did when I was like 13 it's much better than any I could do now and so for me that tension is always there of like I really kind of want to do the high technique stuff but what I produce now is almost <clears throat> uh, a response to that it's like because you get really you can never let it go yeah so you could spend hours weeks months on a drawing and it's still not perfect what I do now is I'm just like, right, just get it down on paper, whatever it is, and just put it to the side and do another one and do another one and do another one. Um, to sort of just let go. It's, it, what so I try to do is... I'm rebelling towards your, your uh, own thought process. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And I think the... the well, I just know what it felt like uh, to be trapped as a kid. Like, hours and hours and hours getting the perfect wolf's foot you know for that wolf's <laughs> paw um, and just losing a lot of time to it the end result is amazing but it's not really where I'm at now what what I want to do now is just communicate <laughs> honestly I know I sound like Ricky Gervais from The Office um, but that is actually all I'm trying to do um, I mean you can see by the level of craft I have there's almost no attention to craft I just get the words down. Sometimes I'll I'll dress it up and I'll do some nice work uh, around it, like some actual yeah, illustration. Yeah, but any conceptual work isn't about the finished product as such, is it? It's not about the detail. Yeah, it's, yours is all about the concept. You sit and how long do your readings take? Oh, like the misfortune tellings, which is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, I mean. You know, my mum says they should take 15 minutes, but often they take half an hour. It just, you know, it depends how busy it is. It dep- if there's a big queue, then I will try and get people in and out in 20 minutes. But that's quite a rush. And with the misfortune tellings, you really want them to feel like they've had a conversation. Yeah. Um, because the more deep the conversation becomes, the bigger the release when they see the their misfortune their dark prophecy because mm. yeah they you know there's just you know we go to some dark places <laughs> um, yeah it gets quite emotional and so you want to be able to go to those places and then when you show them the line the laugh's always bigger if they've just been crying <laughs> <laughs> isn't it true i say crying but <clears throat> i've only made a couple of people cry 
mostly they mostly they keep the ta- the tears in before they leave, but they kind of they kind of stagger away from the table, and you can see that they're kind of hiding their face. <laughs> but that's only happened like with two people out of hundreds now. Yeah. Well, you go by the name of the misfortune teller when you're doing your misfortunes, mm. and the first question that I ask every artist. How would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Yeah, well, um, b- because I, I basically don't know any artists, um, <laughs> um, I just say, do you know David Shrigley? And, you know, half the people say yes. And I say, <clears throat> like him, but darker. And, you know, recently I've been saying, but and not as good, because I think he's having a resurgence. I think he's uh, getting better again. Um, he went off the ball for me a bit um, anyway that's what I say and then if they look interested then I'll often I'll just show them the Instagram because what I do is actually not that uh, it's not one dimensional enough no. to be able to do a, an elevator pitch with it um, I had a piece recently which was uh, something about being a brand I can't remember but it was a line about how you're not a brand or you are a brand Nina you you are a brand with you are a brand with an incoherent manifesto, <laughs> yeah. and that's what I was thinking when I was skimming through my Instagram and looking at the pieces around me in the studio. I was like, no wonder pe- no wonder hundreds of people come and hundreds of people go every day because they don't know what they're dealing with. Yeah, like some people will you know you'll get like a few hundred uh, new followers because some people have seen the honest bench plaques that I do. And that's a specific brand of humour. That's like, you know, boom, yeah. yeah, easy stuff. Um, although it's kind of nested in the world of death, it's not really that punchy. And then the next day they'll get like, you know, 400 words from me about how I'm heartbroken. And they're like, nah, see you later, mate. So it's, <clears throat> it's interesting the people that have stuck with me over the years, they, they can handle both sides the quips and the navel gazing yeah um, and and the thing is you know i don't want to be a brand and i don't want to, i don't want actually to be able to answer that question that you asked me yeah um yeah i want it to be a bit more complex i basically just it's it's a public diary is what i'm doing really i mean it's i have at the top of my insta page um dark therapy yeah and it, it started for me as honestly as a therapy of just like getting the the voices out onto a page and seeing if anybody else had the same voices and you're listening to the voices of who are you listening to the voices of you to another to society yeah to well community? you know just when you're walking around you just you know i like um i like people watching you know sometimes i don't want to look at people at all but they're there so i have to yeah. um <laughs> And I'm just I'm just observing all the time, you know. It's it's I think maybe some people are built more like that, and um, I also have this weird kind of distaste for people. Um, when, when they remain strangers, they're 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 I don't I don't I don't want any part of it. But then as soon as I start speaking to them, I realize I've fucked up again. That they're nice people. That all you have to do is actually speak to somebody. And everything will change, but I guess what you see on the page or the screen for me is what's going on in my head before I actually speak to people yeah. and realize that they're uh, 
quite nice. And what do you think that's got you into a position to be thinking like that in the first place? Um, well, like I say, I think people are just built more like one way or the other, and I've always had a fascination for people and the sort of contradictions in everybody yeah. um, and I think you know tracing back I remember um, when I first read Roald Dahl I felt like he was the voice in my head and I thought if I could ever do that for anybody else anyone even one person that's job done that's like imagine being able to do that in your life um and so I guess it kind of comes from that is a little bit of what I'm doing is to sort of bare my soul, put the weirdness out, put the stuff that is not PC, not on trend, yeah. very much you should not be this person in the hopes that people will go, yeah, that's actually true. That's what I'm like as well. I think like that, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's like... Know, I don't I don't go to the workplace anymore. I used to work in advertising and I spent most of my day not saying things. Okay. Just massively censoring my myself. So I know for the average Joe in a workplace, what they are presenting to the world is nothing like their interior world. Yeah. Um and so yeah, it's a bit of that. It's just like I'm lucky to be in a position where I can where I can bear all this stuff online and no one's going to fire me because I don't have a job. <laughs> and when you're creating art, you have the advertiser's head on, the artist's head on, or have you found a happy medium? Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. Very nice, very nice. I hope you've got more of those. I, I didn't even realise I was saying that until you look, you until look it was so about to come out. You look so excited when you when the words were coming out of your mouth and you realised what was happening. You look like I realised it at the same point as you did. A kid in a sweet shop. Um, yeah. So the advertising stuff, what that does for you... Look, I shit on the advertising world for being empty and hollow and... Uh, quite nasty really to be honest not the people in it but the the whole uh, yeah the, the cons- not even that it's just it's just one facet of the the consumer culture that we're in which is, I think is just very unhealthy mm. but uh, actually uh, lots of nice people in it and you can learn a lot and I learned basically just uh, tenacity like the, the creative directors there <laughs> Will make well, they give you a brief and they'll say just write some lines about a burger, right? And you're like, okay, um, and then you'll spend all day writing lines about a burger, and they will look at th- them and just say, uh, yeah, just write some better lines, and that will be it. And it's kind <laughs> of like it's it's kind of like a boot camp in many ways, yeah. And it can be harsh, but it's a really it taught me a really good work ethic. And also, the teacher I had in advertising um, had a great respect for punchy writing. Very, like, the less words you can use, the better. Yeah. Um, And it teaches you that as well. So I guess I've still got that a bit. I mean, I'm quite relentless with how much I produce. And just because of practice, I've, I've managed to get better at writing. I'm not even, I wouldn't say I'm, particularly good yet but um, I just know how to do it I just know how to do it so I don't really and again I don't see myself as an artist I just 
Do you follow that brief when you're doing the readings as Miss Fortune Teller? And Are you that... trying to to condense what the person's telling you or your reactions to what the person's telling you to fit on your A3 page? Or The misfortune tellings are... Uh, <clears throat> it's quite a strange thing to do. I won't say I even know how to do it yet. Because I'm uh, fascinated by it, to be honest. I mean, look, it's... <laughs> It's kind of a parody of the whole uh, spiritual, pseudo-spiritual, astrological horoscope world where someone can feel like something has a profound meaning and it's very specific to them, they think. Mm. But actually, if you showed that same horoscope, if you took the title, if you took Virgo or what else, uh, off uh, the horoscope and showed it to any person of any star sign, they would think, wow, that's you've just cut to the core of me. And so it's a, it's a lot like that. Often the misfortune telling I give, the dark prophecy, the line that they get at the end of it, has nothing to do with the conversation. Mm. And they were, it's amazing they, to watch them make it fit. They will make it fit. They will say, oh, I can't believe you, that's just bang on. Like you've really just seen inside me, yeah. And so it's walking this line where you're like, I know this is kind of a parody. I'm not sure sure if they know this is a parody. At the start, by the end, most of the time, it feels like they don't think it's a parody. They think yeah. it's real, and also in a way, I think it's real. I'm swept up in it. I'm like, maybe I am fucking good at this. Maybe, you know, some, quite a few people have said, you know, you should, you should actually do that. You should be a therapist. And um, I'm just easily persuaded. So I'm like, yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should. Um, so it's, it's an interesting one where you're like, yeah, this, it's, I don't know, it's, it's confusing. It's not one thing. Um, because the conversations are real and the, the secrets that they they give to you they're real things that they wouldn't tell anybody else in their life um, but I'm not that good like I, I you know I can't, I'm not that good I can't just whip up a line that's that's gonna that's gonna nail your situation yeah. um, I have uh, quite a few lines written down um, and they're broad enough that you can pretty you can you can make it fit yeah. So, whether it's you make it fit, you the person who's just had the misfortune, or I give it a push or a nudge if I see that you're a bit dismayed or upset or whatever, yeah. I'll just make it fit. Um, but yeah, it's essentially sort of a, an, uh, a re- in real time horoscope. Because normally it's people trying to disprove the prophet, whereas you're the prophet trying to disprove the believer. Oh God, that's intense! Did you, <laughs> did you just come up with that? Well, no. Yeah, but yeah, most of the time you see people uh, like Derrick Brown, for instance, yeah. who says that all of yeah all, all of these people that are giving fortunes are are fakes and fraudsters. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. But I do have a friend who many years ago he he became spiritual in that sense. Yeah. And he wanted to be a, a palm reader or a fortune teller, if you mm. like, you know. And he went for classes for it. And I said, but how, you're either how could you learn, or you're not. How could you learn the gift? Well, he was saying that, <coughs> that we've all got the gift, 
Uh oh. And he's obviously relaying to me what <laughs> he has been told in the spiel before he bought the class yeah. that we've all got the gift. The words we hear, the voice we hear when we're, when we're in conversation, mm. isn't us analysing the conversation. Mm. It is coming from the spirits. Mm. And the place that he went to told you how to rejoice that voice that you hear. Yeah. But he said, when, when he, he started doing these called this course, and he started doing readings for people, and he was going... To, ghost busting or whatever you call it you know in a, in a spook people saying they've got a ghost so he goes to get oh, rid of that it. would be awesome exactly but um, he went he started doing it to me and I'd heard Darren Brown say many years ago you'll, look, you'll know they're a fraudster because they will say something like um, you've, you've lost a key recently your, one of your white goods has broken recently because it's such a broad, yes. you know. Yes, like, oh, you had a grandmother, didn't you? Like, oh, my God, <laughs> yes, how I did you know that? <laughs> it's like you live in a house, yes, or a flat, something like that, or a tent. Yeah. And they just keep saying things until it hits. And that, well, funny enough, this guy's name is Darren, not Darren. Yeah. But, um, this Darren had said to me about um, white goods. Mm. And, I, and I, as soon as he said that, I knew... Because that Darren Brown had said it a few years before that that Look, proves the fraud. It's, it's very seductive. I think we all want to believe in something. All of this, right? God, Santa, it's all magic, right? We all want magic, right? We all want to believe that magic is real. And I think there's a bit of that with, uh, for example, with a horoscope or any yeah. kind of reading. You just want to believe that there's magic as an adult because you did as a kid, right? And then, for me, the moment when magic died was when my parents said, "Yeah, so you see Santa? Yeah, it's not really. It's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not really him. We've been the ones giving him the presents." I broke my heart telling my boy that. It's gutting. I mean, he was he was seventeen. <laughs> no. I, I, I was twenty five, and I still thought it was too too soon. Um, yeah, so I think. It's definitely relatable. I, I try I try to see the other side and, you know, not think that people are just idiots, right? Uh, so, you know, if, if you read the horoscopes, if you want to get a palm reading, do tarot, whatever, fine. You know, I, I, I understand why you want that. Um, and to live sort of, I don't know, truthfully is, you know, quite hard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like but, to... but being a parody of a fortune teller is win-win because if they don't get that you're a parody, you're getting the customers that believe you believe in it, yeah. and the ones that do realise it's a parody, they want to come in for the comedy value, if you like. That's it. That's it. That's it. It is kind of a win-win. Um, you know, for me, I don't really mind how people take it. Um, I don't care if they think it's real or not real. Um, I just think it was this. It was an idea that I came up with two days before an art fair. I thought, well, my name's already the misfortune teller, so why the fuck has it taken me this <laughs> this long? To Is that what you was calling yourself? Yeah, I. <clears throat> so before I was called the misfortune teller, um, uh, uh, my Instagram account was called the Rude Truth, Great and on. that was my brief to myself, and it's still the the name of the my notes document on my phone is the Rude Truth. So it had to be true, and it had to be uncomfortable to 
uh, for me to put it down on paper and for anyone to see. Um, and then I changed it to the misfortune teller because I needed something a bit snappier. And I thought, oh, that's kind of good. That could go somewhere. Yeah. yeah, that was my advertising head. Of course. Um, and I'm like, wow, that is. I could just own this whole area, and it feels uh, like a good time for it because, you know, we're supposed to be getting smarter as humans, but mm, not really. <laughs> like, there's a resurgence of spirituality and um, pseudo spirituality, and kind of just unthinking, just non thought. Yeah. Um, and uh, motivational messaging through through all our social media channels. So I thought, well, this would be good. Uh, lots to play with, lots to lampoon. Um, anyway, so I'd been doing that for a few weeks. I'd had the name, and then two days before the Art Car Boot Fair, uh, I went to another art fair, and I saw all the people just standing beside their art, and I'm like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Like, I'm uncomfortable. I feel for them. You know, they don't really want to be having these awkward com conversations yeah. with me about, you know, will you buy my art, essentially. So I thought, well, I just need to do anything but that. So I thought, I'll just use some of the lines that I've been using uh, anyway, and I'll just flip them into uh, dark prophecies. And I had no idea if it would work. work. Uh, I wrote down, I think, 20 lines, and I put uh, a black crystal ball on the table and um, a light box which said... Uh, your misfortune <laughs> told here like a tenor or yeah. so yeah tenor yeah. or something and the first guy that sat down was called Liam and I'm Liam and I knew that was a sign um, and anyway it just snowballed from there so it just started as a as, as a way to make it less awkward for me to to be there and then it became like really quite a big thing and um, uh, so when I saw you at the Art Car Boat Fair yeah few years ago that was yeah. the first time you'd done it uh, well the first one I did was in uh, just out King's Cross just outside that Waitrose bit yeah you know that covered bit yeah 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 so there were, that year there were there was the art car boot fair and it had people with the cars and the vans and then they just done like a bicycle bit yeah. as well that was um, their first time at King's Cross right and um, so I was under there and away from the sun, which was good. You was just as you go in, wasn't you? Exactly. No, I got super lucky. I mean, I, I next I, to Gavin, wasn't you? It, yeah, I got super lucky. Like I turned up like five hours before anybody else, <laughs> um, and had quite bad diarrhea. Um, and uh, through nerves, just 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 from just from there, I was, yeah. Just I thought I was fine. Like, I thought I was solid. I'm like, I'm going to breathe this, and then I was just running off yeah. to, to the toilets. Uh, but yeah, I got lucky because he was also... I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who anybody was. I was like, oh, that guy's got a nice moustache. Um, but I got lucky because he was there and I, maybe I got a bit of a halo effect from him because you had like proper art people going to see him and, and they sort of drifted to see what the what this kind of small crowd was around my yeah, yeah. what I was doing. And um, yeah, it was crazy that first day. It's never been that good. It was. It's never been that good. It was amazing. It was... You know, it felt like um, stand-up comedy, but sitting down uh, for me. Well, as I said to you a few months ago when we was chatting, I'd had the idea of being... Uh, me and my friend Lee talk often about ideas, and they just come in, we talk about them, and then dismiss them. And um, I said about being a fortune teller, but a thug-type fortune right. teller. And it was just, as I said, it was just an idea, and it was about two or three weeks before the Art Car Boot Fair, then we went there and saw you as a misfortune teller 
And I was like, how good is that? He's so much better than mine. I just, I fell in love with it there and then. I thought it was absolutely stunning oh, what you were doing. That's really cool. I mean, thank, thank you very much. Um, it's hard to take credit for really anything because uh, for every success that I have, there's at least nine failures. Oh, of course, of course. And like you saw me on my best day. Uh, Either way, but it was the concept I saw. I yeah. didn't take any notice of your of your cue. Right. I didn't notice if there was one. You had a right. person sitting in front of you. Yeah. I saw you with a black crystal ball, misfortune teller. I got straight away because it was black. It was dark. Wasn't happy in California, positive even, and I just I just got the the comedy element, the darkness element. I got the parody of of the real fortune tellers. I got all of that in in just a few moments, and it just ticks every box of what a great artwork or comedy act or whatever whatever it because it floats about into all these different genres because it, you could work at a comedy festival as much as you could work at an art fair, you know. Well, I had this one lady, um, where was it? I think, yeah, it was a, I did, um, uh, I tried doing like uh, markets and stuff when I first started. I think it was run up to Christmas and I, so I signed up for like Portobello Market. I went down there and it was kind of okay, it was fine. Um, but this one lady bought a shit ton and she told me she was a dominatrix and she, she was going to put all this quite dark stuff in her du- actual dungeon she didn't say basement she's done i've got a dungeon and would would i like to come and do readings there and i said yes she didn't get in touch but i was i was ready for that so i think yeah there's a there's a place for me in a dungeon um it's hard to take a reading with a gimp mask on though <laughs> no, you need to be able to see people's expressions yeah um, I've had a few people over the years ask me uh, to do weddings, but I think they've lost their bottle when they realise what they've asked for. Yeah. And maybe they've... I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people come to me fresh. Like, they don't know, they don't actually know what it is that I'm up to. They might have seen a more innocuous bit post that I've done, and then the reality hits home. It's like, oh, no, do I want this guy to ruin my wedding day <laughs> and pay him yeah. £666? Yeah, that's what you charge. Yeah, that's what, that's what I charge. So that's not adjusted for inflation. So I'm just going to keep it at that <laughs> flat beam. Had someone a few weeks ago asking, or a few months ago, and she seemed really keen, but she's gone now. <laughs> Did you ever artwork in the home or even creativity in the home growing up? So my parents ran a fashion business, so they sold clothes up in Glasgow. Mm. Um, and uh, wasn't really sure. I, you know, whatever your parents do, you think is shit, right? So I was like, well, well, they're arseholes for doing that. <laughs> like, why don't they do something interesting? But in retrospect, it was super interesting, and it drew in uh, re- kind of interesting, charismatic, open-minded people into the house and into our lives. At the time, I didn't realize it, of course. I just because you just think, well, anything to do with your parents is just rubbish. But they were very permissive in terms of how, in terms of thought. They wouldn't really veto thought. Um, they didn't, for example, I didn't even know what religion was until someone um, called me a Fenian when I was, I think, 12 or 13, which, which is a nasty word for a Catholic. Uh, <laughs> okay. be, they assumed I was Catholic because my name's Liam, but we weren't religious at all. Um, so um, 
they, they, they never told me how to think. They said, you know, be who you want to be. Like, there's no, there's no pressure from us. We just want you to be happy, uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, if I had a kid, I wouldn't say that. I'd be like, you are going to be a doctor, okay, <laughs> yeah. whether you like it or not. <laughs> and you're going to look after me when I'm decrepit. Um, yeah, so but my mum uh, is an artist, and she started doing painting um, probably when I was about 15 or 16. That wasn't that, that, that didn't push me towards being creative. I, th- I think I'm naturally creative. And I think you just do what you're good at. So at school, I was quite good at art and quite good at English. Those were my strongest subjects. Hmm. And I think what I'm doing now is just this, those two things yeah. brought together. And that's why I did advertising as well. But I think uh, it's about who your friends are. And me and my friends, we just had a massive humor connection. It was always humor. I don't think I had a proper conversation until I was like 35 because it was all just (laughs) banter. Uh, It was all just slagging each other off, you know. Um, And that was how you showed your affection. Um, Wasn't that effective with girls. Um, <laughs> no, when, uh, yeah, when people come charming. from outside of the circle and step in, yeah, it can be a bit of a shock, can't it? So I, you know, I, I got really lucky with my friends at school. Um, humor, I think, is the is the most important thing f- for creativity. It, it's a, there's an openness um, with humor, and you see how that's being maybe shut down a little bit these days. And I think when you shut down humour, when you tell people what you can and cannot joke about, you're kind of shutting down more than that. You're shutting down free speech um, and thought, because speech is thought, right? Um, So, yeah. So, got lucky with my friends, got very lucky with my parents, um, got very lucky with where I grew up, which is Glasgow, and humour is just a big part of life there. Your average person... If there was like um, an IQ for humour, what would it be? Uh, uh, you know, humour HQ. <laughs> um, it would be higher in Glasgow and in Scotland generally yeah. than than elsewhere. Um, so yeah, it's a, oh, and also use humour. I remember I was bullied as well. When was that? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Let's say eleven or twelve. I was starting to being uh, people were picking on me. And there's only so many fights you can have um, before you realise, well, I'm just getting put in detention. <laughs> yeah. um, like, they're about to expel me. And you figure out, oh, no, I can just use words. I can just use words and I don't have to touch anybody. And you can take people down in front of a whole classroom. And that's that was just a great feeling. So yeah. I think all those things... I don't even know what the question was now, but <laughs> all those things came together to sort of make whatever you're talking to now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's a, a podcast called The Comedian's Comedian, okay. where, like this, this comedian brings on a comedian every week, and he's been doing it for several years. And when I listen to these comedians telling how they come by the process of creating a joke, it's exactly the same as my process for creating a conceptual artwork. Oh, yeah. Exactly the same. It's just that their punchline is verbal and my punchline is, you know, a physical artwork. So what's the, what's the process? Like seeing something, that, that something you've seen, you question in your head for mm. ages mm-hmm. and then realise that there's something there, a joke for them, an artwork for me. Mm. And then you're trying to understand why it's affecting you, why you're thinking about it, because mm. it's your subconscious is doing something that you're not quite aware of. Mm. And then the more you think about it, the more you analyse it, and then it starts to grow and grow, because you've put so much information into mm. this one little seed, you've now got to cut the information away to, to define it, you know. That's it. And then that's when the artwork comes for me and the punchline for them. Yeah, I just think, you know... Uh it's a beautiful process hard but it's a beautiful process where you can take a thought in your head and you can get it onto the page in whatever form and not lose too much Mm. so i got a drawing which i haven't done yet but i keep thinking of and i've been thinking about for years that's a big build-up it's not that good but basically (laughs) it's it's just you've got the thought to the hand right and between so the thought in your head, the distance it travels to get to the hand, it's already lost about half of its yeah. potency or whatever. It's just lost something. And then from the the tip of your pen to the page, it loses something else. And then the distance between the viewer's eyes and the page, something else is lost. Mm. And so if you can... So basically, it's very. The point I'm making is, it's very hard to get to express yourself and to get a thought from your head out into the world into somebody else's head, such that they understand it. So, however you achieve that, that's a bloody miracle. And I think stand-up uh, comedians are probably the best at that. I agree. You know, it might even be that the end, their punchline, is better than the thought they had in their head. Mm. Um, yeah, just in whatever format, however way you want to do it, but just to feel communicated with, to feel that connection, to get what's inside someone's head, that's amazing. And when you're in the presence of someone <clears throat> who can do that very, very quickly, mm. like sort of like come up with ideas like that, it does sort of make me realise how hard it is because I know how long it takes me to come up with an idea, put it through a process and come up with the artwork and mm. then... I, you know, I've been around a few people where they go, we do it like this, like this, like this, and they've got the artwork done in in their mind. Yeah. Whereas I have to go through a huge process and and cut things away from it. Yeah. And same same with jokes. You know, people go, well, oh, how about this, this, and this? Here's the punchline because they've just that journey that I go on. Theirs is much shorter through possibly experience or the way that in their mind that they sort of 
tick all the boxes in yeah, your mind. Yeah, you know? it's it's the immediacy of of wit, which is it is like a miracle. It's like it's you know it's uh, that's what comedians are so good. It's, I had a thought there. Mm, I've lost the thought. Well, you done art at school. You enjoyed yeah. art at school. You had creativity in the home. You was in advertising. Where did you become an artist? Come in that line. Uh, well, I, you know, I've just sort of stumbled into everything I've done. Really, um, <laughs> I never wanted to be an artist. I think if you set yourself the goal of being an artist, you're probably not going to be one. I think you just need to be. Uh, and again, I say this as somebody who I don't think of myself as an artist. On Instagram, it says artist, but that's because there isn't a category for whatever the fuck it is I'm yeah. doing. Um, and that I sell, you know, flat rectangles with ink on them. So I guess that means I'm an artist. Yeah. Um, I've got no idea what it is I'm doing, but uh, I think I just, like I said, I just wanted to like connect with people on a humor level, but not just throw away quips. Just connect on a, on any level, you know, with a bit of humor in there, a bit of truth. A bit of sadness. Just be honest, yeah. Like, See, it's very much the same as the art, the advertising world, but it has a little bit more value. It's less shallow, or rather, it isn't shallow. Well, I just spent, you know, in the in the in the in the latter years of my advertising career, I, I just spent every day being told, "No, the client won't buy that," and it wasn't. I don't think because it wasn't good. It was because it wasn't happy enough. And I realized that it wasn't for me. I was never going to get anywhere because you can't be a real person in that world. You can't, or at least at the time, what you had to do was be basically positive. You couldn't be a real person and share the dark stuff that we all feel, but pretend that we're Mm. not feeling. Um, so again, I've forgotten your question, but you know what so I said. Right, I so. agree with what I just said, <laughs> <laughs> and I second that. Well, Dave, you know Dave Bonaguidi. I real happy Dave. I do know him. Yes. So Dave, he was a he had his own advertising. That's company. right. What was it? Karma Rama. Karma Rama did it, really well. It was an ethical um, advertisers. Right. And when I met Dave s- several years ago, and having a conversation about the advertising world, which I, I only know the end product of that world, you know. He was just saying about how heartless and soulless that that world is. But he's using his advertising head to create artwork. That's just it. putting a little bit more soul into That's it. That's it. So it's hard to shit on it entirely. No. Uh, because I think, you know, you can tell he's been in advertising, right? He's got quite tight uh, writing. Love it. I absolutely um, love it. But... Um, Again, they're good people in there. Really smart, really talented. They just, for a lot of them, being an advertising creative is very easy because you don't really have to be particularly good at any one thing. You just have to be quite good at a few things. And it pays so well that once it gets its claws in, very hard to get out. Um, But yeah, I don't want this all to be about how, you know, what I think about advertising because... It's probably changed a lot since I was in it. And like I say, it gave me a work ethic and a sort of angle. So, and a way to recognize what's a good idea. I think that's what the misfortune teller is. 
it's a good idea. Mm. Um, it allows you to come up with execution after execution. I'm calling them executions rather than pasties, <laughs> right? So that's the ad world talking. But, you know, it's a tone of voice is what it is. And wh when you can occupy a tone of voice uh, authentically, you're kind of winning. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't have to turn up and pretend to be dismayed. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just dripping off me. Which piece that you've created do you think has got the strongest emotional connection? Um, you know, I can I can I can sell I can do a drawing and sell the drawing and no prints of it, but that drawing could mean the world to the yeah. person who's bought it, and I can do a. I can do a piece that uh, sells really well with prints, but it kind of has, you know, people want it on their wall because they, they think it looks cool or like pithy or makes it them. It sits into makes, their, Yeah, just sort of, yeah. it's like, yeah, the, you know, it's, it's it's more like. But what ones have the emotional, <clears throat> strongest emotional connection to you? Well, I mean, there was one line that I did which seemed to resonate with people quite a lot, uh, and I think I would still back I put my name to it and it's uh, stop, stop trying to fix yourself you're meant to be broken and that was the Lovely. repost to the motivational messaging and the happy clappy culture that was developing maybe yeah. five six years ago and we're still massively in the thick of positivity at all costs right which in the long run is more damaging than anything yeah. because you can be happy for a moment in someone's thrall or in the afterglow of reading a motivational message, but then reality hits and look, nothing's changed. Yeah, it's just a couple of words, you know. So that was that was a big one for me, and I ha and I wrote quite a good um, a little caption for an Instagram, and I think one of the reasons that line did so well was because of the caption as much as anything but the caption might have even been better than the line but um, really it's just about you know you stop trying to be perfect stop beating yourself up it's okay to be broken you're human you're flawed you are broken whatever you do however you appear to the world you're broken yeah and that's fine and actually that's good because that was what makes people interesting it's yeah. texture it's texture and grain and that sort of informs that idea informs almost everything I do and certainly the piece which has been my sort of most popular so far which is it's called Interesting Company and I'll try and remember it it is if you are not um, bruised battered used bemused Tarred, feathered, and charmingly well weathered, you will probably ma not make very interesting company. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, appropriately, I wrote uh, and drew when I was broken in two with the most almighty hangover, all my own doing. Um, <laughs> ragged as fuck, but I felt kind of interesting when I did it, and yeah. I thought, well, you know, people, particularly of a certain age. You know, they've been around the block a few times. They're a bit ragged. Um, they they all resonate with them, and it and it has. So, it's um, there's a bit of forgiveness in there, and that's I think that's when I'm nailing it. When I'm not just 
slating someone, when I'm not just quipping, when I'm the target. Because that one is about, it's, they're all kind of, they're all messages to myself. Yeah. Like I told you, it's dark therapy, it's a diary, I'm speaking to myself and hoping that some people go, oh yeah, that's me too. Um, and that's but, what all therapy's about, isn't it? You know, you just put words out there and we associate ourselves with them. That's it, that's it. And um, yeah, so that one, so yeah, but there's, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, I, you know, my, my head's exploding with all, all of them. But those are two, you know, pretty uh, popular ones and they, they kind of nail my, ten, my, my, my tone of voice because it should be bittersweet, it should, but it should not be too bitter because then it's just like, whoa, God, it's a bit heavy. Yeah. Too sweet is just a joke, right? It doesn't, it's kind of silly. It's fine though. I use that as a release valve for 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 the more darker stuff that I do. I make silly posters that I'll put up for fake businesses and all kinds on lampposts around Shoreditch, and that is me just just being silly. Yeah. Um, but when well, being I'm being a parody it, of something, just helps because everyone knows that it's as as much as it could be misconstrued as depressing, even hmm. because they know it's a parody. They know it's not quite as depressing as you're making it sound yeah if I, if my if i put my my name up on the uh, on the instagram and they could see i was a person not like a, a character then it might be more disturbing to read some of the stuff that yeah. uh, but but because people think i'm a character they might think oh he's playing up to the bleakness yeah um and maybe it's easier to swallow or more amusing i don't know but um yeah, our modern culture, our digital culture, all the social media, everybody's oversharing, right? Everybody thinks they're a journalist, a comedian, a fucking spiritual guru, whatever, yeah, you yeah. name it. And that is suffocating and horrible. But you get little bits of gold. Yeah. You get little bits of gold just scratched onto walls in a country you never would have visited um, because of this explosion of sort of expression. And whenever I'm getting down and a bit jaded by just the assault of the internet, you'll see one of those things, which is just five or six words that will nail something. You don't realize you've had the thought until you see it and someone's yeah, done yeah. it and you're like, that person has absolutely nailed something that I wasn't able to express to myself or even feel. Uh, and I, that's what you do <coughs> to people though, isn't it? As the misfortune center, a similar sort of thing. Not every time. No, but I, mean, I was aware that you made, you had your first walk away a little while ago, didn't you? Yeah, that was funny. Uh, no, so like I said to you before, I have, I've had two people crying. One was at a festival where this lady, I told her, I told her, I said, look, I'm going to give you some bad news. And she was all like, she'd had a beer or whatever. And she was like, yeah, yeah, do your worst. Da, da, da. And I'm like, you don't know what this is, but I'm going to do it anyway. And she told me she just got together. She, she just I'm married. Just a messenger. <laughs> yeah, she just, she just married this guy, and I could tell she wasn't feeling that secure about the relationship. So I gave her this thing about how he was, how he was definitely going to leave her or something. So, you know, but a much better line than that. But words to that effect. And she just went red. Her eyes went very wide. She took the piece of paper. She said, thanks very much, with a really wide smile. 
and she walked off and I was like another satisfied <laughs> customer and then an hour later she came back and I could see the tear tracks on her face swollen eyes and she's like why did you say the thing that you said and I'm like oh no 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 it wasn't about you it was about and then I had to explain the conceit yeah. which which was what I said to you before it's like this is a line that almost anybody in a relationship could read and think applies to them. It's not specifically about you. And we made up, I gave her a much softer uh, misfortune and she bought me a beer. So that was nice. And then the second one was uh, a lady who, again, had no idea what she was getting into. <laughs> and I, but, I, but nowadays I really say, look, I'm going to give you a dark prophecy. And they nod and I'm like, no, no it's going to be very bad news. And they're kind of looking at their phone. They're not really engaged. They're like, how long will it take? I'm like, 20 minutes, whatever. And they're like, yeah, yeah, just do it, whatever. They just want to sit down, I think, a lot of the time. We have the conversation. And I told her she was at that age. She was a lady who was at that age where she was really worried about her age, which could be any age, I guess. Yeah. But I think she's, I don't know, 50 or something like that. And I can't remember what the line was, but it was just a little dig at that something about being past your prime or something, I don't know. And um, yeah, she walked off and she left the misfortune there and that was the first time that's happened. But I'm very careful now to like, I spend, like at the most recent Art Car Boot Fair, a lot of people said like, I want one, I really want one. And I kind of had to say, I don't think, I don't think you do want one. I, I, I think this might be too much yeah, for you. Yeah, but I don't think that should be your position to try and soften the blow for anyone. Yeah. If you've got something there saying, what I do isn't true. Yeah, I don't say that though. No, but your whole, your whole persona yeah, says that it's a parody. Yes, but that's because you're smart enough to get that. I suppose so. But well, it sounded know, like, yes, but, I am smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I suppose so. Uh, but you see the crystal ball, maybe you see you know maybe you have your your stuff read your palms read or whatever maybe you're you're all into it and I've had a few people who uh, who sit down and are like that but no I just I, I, maybe I'm getting too kind in, in my middle age but I just don't want to it's like a like, comedian I don't want to break anyone it's like is. a comedian not telling a certain type of joke that's true yeah what the fuck am I doing like, you know, I mean, could you imagine Jimmy Carr censoring, which was the word that I know. come to mind. But this is the thing, I, I've, I've never said I'm a comedian, but... Um... No, but only because you're saying that you're an artist. Yeah. If yeah. you didn't say you're an artist and said you was a comedian, it would be exactly the same act yeah, to true, your true, performance. True. So, okay, so I'm going to go to, I'm going to a festival this weekend, and it's very, um, it's, it's a beautiful place, it's a beautiful festival, it's quite twee. And it's actually where I had that experience with the lady who, who cried. Yeah. And I'm going to take your advice and I'm going to go back there and... Um, don't, don't take my advice. Go in full force. And if anyone has a problem, <laughs> I'm going Just, to point them to you. But yeah, so as I say, if, if it was a, a, an act rather than... A, would you, do you see it as a performance? Like it blurs the lines, right? Because yeah. I want to... I'm just a person having a conversation with somebody. If I call it an act, then I'm not really having a conversation with you, and you. No, you, that's what I'm saying. It would, it would be, be an act. If it, it would was be a fake. Comedian. Uh, I mean, you know, it's 
it's you know I've called it a performance art, um, yeah. but again. I don't want to be performative, but I don't know what else to call it. But it has to be because you are—you're not going there as Liam. You're going there as the, the misfortune teller. So you are going there with a persona. That's right. But look, the persona in real life is just the crystal ball and the name above. When you speak to me, you're speaking to me. Like I'm not pretending to be yeah. somebody else. And I think maybe that's why it's—it can have quite. Um, a meaningful effect the for some people depression. because it is I'm just having a conversation I'm just a stranger having a conversation with you we, and yeah I, I rush the conversation on a little bit I hurry it up so we get to to the juicy parts quicker um, but then the only persona part the only performative part is the the dark prophecy at the end yeah um, but everything else is real and that's real as well but it's just, it's the, you know, so the conversation is just me, Liam, just genuinely just having a conversation. And then it's the misfortune teller who gives you the line. Because I wouldn't be, com- uh, Liam, me, I w- would be uh, too uncomfortable to give that level of bad news to somebody unless I became the misfortune teller for, for that minute where I showed yeah, that. Because whatever it is you, you've decided to say to that person, because you've written it down, that's when it says this is an art performance yes. rather than yes, you know yeah 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 it's it's just it's a bit confusing for me as well as the person who's doing it and I think that's a I think that's an advantage. It looks from the outside you walk past and like you said you got the concept immediately, and so that's good. That's all tied in a neat bowl. Um, but then the actual experience of having one and for me to give one is great. Is it's all grey. I don't know what's going on. I know we're having a conversation. I don't really know what's happening. Um, it's an interesting one. But yeah, I don't do it that much a- a- anymore because actually it's very draining. And this to the point of how it's it's not a performance. I'm actually having this conversation with people. And the last time I did it at Roy's Art Fair... I had a lot of people come who did not know me, did not uh, follow my art, and they really gave me a lot of... Um, they'd been through a lot, all of them, a lot, and they gave me it, and I just absorbed it. And by the end of each day, I was just absolutely... I, I couldn't see straight. Yeah. I actually would go to the train station, and I couldn't see what was on the board. Um, so it is uh, draining because it's real. Well, that's because it stepped out of the realms of an art performance mm. into the realms of personal and reality, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thing for me to go through because, um, you know, I'm not sure I'll do it much going forward because it is so draining. Yeah. And you know, they might not be crying, but I'm on the verge of crying. When they tell me some of the stuff that they've been through and, you know, you know. If there was you and five other artists, past or present, what would your ideal group show be? Right, well, now you know that this is a stupid question for me (laughs) because of the last however many hours where every single time you've said, oh, you know this artist? I'm like, nope, not even going to pretend. So we're going to just skim right over that question. Well, you've got some artworks in... The room we're sitting in. So there's at least two artists Um, that I know you would show with because we're in a room with one, two, three, 
and yourself. So we've already sort of answered answered half the question. All right. Well, look. Uh, genuinely, Helen Beard is great, and you know. So we've got someone like David Trigley, right? And almost every day he does something that I want to buy, but I'm like, why would I spend? Two thousand pounds on that when I could do roughly the same, but just like not, not, not quite as good. Yeah, within the same accent. So I go for you know uh, if I buy any art, which is you know you've seen, I've only got like two or three bits, but it's it's all stuff that I know I definitely couldn't do, but I'm like I'm in awe, right? Yeah. With Shrigley, I'm kind of in awe of his mastery of a tone of voice that is now ubiquitous, but when he was doing it was so fresh I can't believe I'm saying fresh but it was um, so yeah if I was to, to be um, in a show with people it, it would probably not be people that do things similar to me it, but so for example he- Helen Beard right very 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 different um, there's a real craft there but it's punchy as fuck you can't not look at it my stuff is quite bold I'm not saying it's good it's bold you know it catches the eyes so there's a similarity there. We've got this Chinese uh, woodblock here. Again, something I could never do. It's extremely mesmerizing. It's the antithesis of what I do because there's no message at all. And I've had this for about two years and I still don't know why I like it. Good. And what Perfect. I do about my stuff is like so obvious, so explained, so punchy. There's, n- there's not really layers to it. I don't want to have you know sadly I'm going to sort of go against what you said prior to you saw some art and it didn't make any sense to you and then you read the little information plaque and your world just exploded right I'm coming at it from the opposite angle I want everything to be there in the piece I want to understand it Um, that's why I do what I do but actually doing it day in day out explaining everything being crystal clear what I really actually now covet and put on a pedestal is the stuff that I can't make head nor tail of like I just like it there's an emotional connection so yeah that woodblock print by a guy who oh god I forgot this what's it called Chen Li I actually remembered his name Chen Li he's I think he's in the British Museum anyway he's he's a bloody genius um I mean, those plates buy very ugly plates. Uh, they're amazing, but again, it feels just like an iteration of something that I could do within what I do. Um, so I wouldn't be in with her. Oh, Harlan Miller. Yeah, fucking let's go. Harlan Miller. He's the guy that I look to, and I think what he's got is he's got the tone of voice, right? Just world weary, yeah. right? He's just exhausted. His individual lines are very good, so it's fine to just have tone of voice, but you have to nail it with specific lines. And the third part, he has got his own style. For me, I'm still waiting for my style. I don't have a style yet. I wouldn't point at my style. Well, you know, I'll say thank you, but I don't have the thing which is the thing yet for me. That's kind of why I couldn't really explain to you before what it was that I did. Harlan Miller could. I feel like because with you, like I mentioned earlier, I was looking for that word that pulled <coughs> me together. Mm. Being one of them, being empathy. Mm. It feels like you haven't just found that word yet. 
you haven't come up with the reason. Well, because you've got the work like this sign that I mentioned earlier, which mm. is a fucking fantastic little bit of text, but it works. It works on so many fucking levels. Mm. And that has got layers and layers behind it. It's got as yeah. many layers as the person reading it wants to give and it. bring to it, yeah. 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 So it depends on who's looking at it, because yeah. you're saying you just put words on, on paper, or in this case on... Is it on plastic metal. or metal? Then you read it and go, oh, that's good, that's witty, that's clever, but oh. then it means this and it means yeah. that. So I think, so, okay, so so, so, so so then maybe I don't have a, a particularly unique visual style. Maybe what I have, if I have anything, is a tone of voice that you could read that, you know what my drawings and my paintings look like, but maybe you could read that and go, I think the misfortune teller did that because yeah. of the tone of voice and I'm cool with that. Like I don't, I don't need that style that where you look at a Harlan Miller and you're like, obviously that's him. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to just hang my hat on the tone of voice and then just be able to play. Uh, so, so I can do a road sign. I can do the tragic tea bags. I can do the honest uh, bench plaques and they're all consistent. They all hang together. We haven't even talked about those. I don't know if you remember, I did those balloon Yes, I'll call yeah, them balloon yeah, sculptures yeah. on the roof of Jealous. Yeah. They're completely def- different visually, but they carry the same tone of voice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, maybe, I'll, uh, maybe I won't s- s- uh, s- uh, keep searching for that one style, that one visual style. Maybe I'll just be happy with the, the tone of voice. But um, Okay, so how many people do we have here? We've got that Helen Beard, pretty strong. We've got Harlan Miller, pretty strong. Uh, we've got Chen Li, pretty strong. So we have one more to, to get in there. Mm, fuck it, Shrigley can join. There you go. That's not bad, is it? Yeah. If you wasn't an artist, what would you like to be? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, well, interesting. You said earlier, you were telling one of your stories and you said artist and you corrected it to author as if they were different but I think an author is an artist just with words mm. and so I would be very very fucking happy to be an author actually well an author or a screenwriter um, because I feel there's artistry in there as well um, and it's something you can do for your whole life I'll, when you first said that, I was like, I want to be a tennis player. They <laughs> used to used to think I could be a tennis player because, you know, I, I was good for about a week once when I was 14. Got it over the net. Yeah, I was like, I got an ace. I aced a granny. Um, but uh, no, not that because you can only do that for a few years. And I was shit. Um, but yeah, probably, probably a writer more broadly, like an author or a screenwriter. But again, I, I I hope to do these things as well. Like I, I want to, this year, for the third year of saying this to people, I want to release a book of what I've done so far. Um, so I guess that would make me an author if I brought that You say into a book of things you've done so far. Do you mean a, a book showing your artwork or would it yeah. be like an autobiography type? No, it would just simply be, you know, a collection of, my pieces so far maybe it would include some of the stuff like the honest bench plaques maybe it would have the tragic tea bags maybe it would have my silly posters but 
Um, there's, there's. I think I've got an embarrassment of riches. Uh, yeah. Really. So I've actually been approached by a publisher. So I had a goal at putting together like a pitch deck, but it was a bit quick and it, it, yeah, it wasn't great. But um, it did make me realise that I've got actually what four or five years now of doing this stuff every day, posting something every day, and. Um, I'm already proud of that book, even though it hasn't been made yeah, yet. Yeah, I can, I can um, see exactly where you're coming from there. And the, and the thing is, my followers, my following on Instagram is very diverse. It's not really an art following. Yeah, there's people in there who like art and buy art, but a lot of them are just your average punter who's just maybe seen a poster of mine walking around Shoreditch or you know, the algorithm has just pushed me on them and they've thought, oh, he's funny. A lot of them aren't going to buy. Uh, they're not going to... They're not the kind of person to put down 100 quid, 200 quid on a piece of um, paper with yeah. some ink on it. But they might be the kind of person who would put 30 quid down on a book with all my stuff. Like, like I say, this is the third year I've been telling people this, like, in a row. But now I've actually... Well, it's good that I've waited this long because... You know, probably my best stuff was in the last couple of years, actually. Well, it obviously weren't the time, was it? That's it, right? And how can anyone find you, be it website or social media? Sadly, uh, we're all a slave to Instagram still until the alternative comes along. So um, all my stuff goes out every day, more or less, on Instagram. And my name is The Misfortune Teller, all one word. And then I've got a shop which is connected to that, but that's really what I have. That's where my heart and soul goes, and um, I'm thinking about doing a little bit of Patreon again to the to the issue of people not necessarily being able to put down like a hundred quid or fifty or whatever on a piece. Patreon's good because you can be like, yeah, I like his stuff generally, but not enough to buy a specific piece, so I'm going to give him like. A quid a month you know and that's what I think might be I think that's how the art world for certain artists that's the direction that might be going yeah. almost like as a sort of subscription it's like just keep me in pens community and bursary keep, exactly keep me in pens and beers you know and we'll keep this moving along and you yeah. don't have to like put something on your wall perfect well, Leon, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very I'm much. Sorry, I took up so much. No, of it. it was uh, it was amazing. Like I told you before, your story is much more interesting than mine. <laughs> I know. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers. We decided from the offset to go ad free, which means obviously we had to self fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine, because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, 
thanks for listening. And until next week, ta are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.